0: section 31 of captains of industry this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org captains of industry by james parton section 31 james gordon bennett and how he founded his herald a cellar in nassau street was the first office of the herald It was a real cellar, not a basement, lighted only from the street and consequently very dark except near its stone steps. The first furniture of this office, as I was told by the late Mr. Gowins, who kept a bookstore nearby, consisted of the following articles. Item one wooden chair, item two empty flour barrels with a wide dirty pine board laid upon them to serve as desk and table. End of inventory. The two barrels stood about four feet apart and one end of the board was pretty close to the steps so that passers-by could see the pile of heralds which were placed upon it every morning for sale scissors pens inkstand and pencil were at the other end leaving space in the middle for an editorial desk this was in the summer of 1835 when general jackson was president of the united states and martin van buren the favorite candidate for the succession if the reader had been in new york then and had wished to buy a copy of the saucy little paper which every morning amused and offended the decorous people of that day He would have gone down into this underground office, and there he would have found its single chair occupied by a tall and vigorous looking man about forty years of age, with a slight defect in one of his eyes, dressed in a clean but inexpensive suit of summer clothes. This was James Gordon Bennett, proprietor, editor, reporter, bookkeeper, clerk office boy and everything else there was appertaining to the control and management of the new york herald price one cent the reader would perhaps have said to him i want today's herald bennett would have looked up from his writing and pointed without speaking to the pile of papers at the end of the board the visitor would have taken one and added a cent to the pile of copper coin adjacent If he had lingered a few minutes, the busy writer would not have regarded him, and he could have watched the subsequent proceedings without disturbing him. In a few moments, a woman might have come down the steps into the subterranean office, who answered the editor's inquiring look by telling him that she wanted a place as cook, and wished him to write an advertisement for her. This would have been entirely a matter of course, for in the prospectus of the paper it was expressly stated that persons could have their advertisements written for them at the office. The editor himself would have written the advertisement for her with the velocity of a practiced hand, then read it over to her, taking particular pains to get the name spelled right and the address correctly stated. How much is it, sir? Twenty-five cents the money paid the editor would instantly have resumed his writing such visitors however were not numerous for the early numbers of the paper show very few advertisements and the paper itself was little larger than a sheet of foolscap small as it was it was with difficulty kept alive from week to week and it was never too certain as the week drew to a close whether the proprietor would be able to pay the printer's bill on saturday night and thus secure its reappearance on monday morning there were times when after paying all the unpostponable claims he had twenty-five cents left or less as the net result of his week's toil he worked sixteen seventeen eighteen hours a day struggling unaided to force his little paper upon an indifferent if not a hostile public. James Gordon Bennett, you will observe, was 40 years old at this stage of his career. Generally a man who is going to found anything extraordinary has laid a deep foundation and got his structure a good way above ground before he is 40 years of age. But there was he, past 40, and still wrestling with fate happy if he could get three dollars a week over for his board yet he was a strong man gifted with a keen intelligence strictly temperate in his habits and honest in his dealings the only point against him was that he had no power and apparently no desire to make personal friends he was one of those who cannot easily ally themselves with other men but must fight their fight alone victors or vanquished A native of Scotland, he was born a Roman Catholic and was partly educated for the priesthood in a Catholic seminary there, but he was diverted from the priestly office, as it appears, by reading Byron, Scott, and other literature of the day. At twenty he was a romantic, impulsive, and innocent young man, devouring the Waverley novels, and in his vacations visiting with rapture the scenes described in them the book however which decided the destiny of this student was of a very different description being no other than the autobiography of benjamin franklin a book which was then read by almost every boy who read it all one day at aberdeen a young acquaintance met him in the street and said to him i am going to america bennett to america when where i am going to halifax on the sixth of april My dear fellow, said Bennett, I'll go with you. I want to see the place where Franklin was born. Three months after he stepped ashore at the beautiful town of Halifax in Nova Scotia, with only money enough in his pocket to pay his board for about two weeks. Gaunt poverty was upon him soon, and he was glad to turn a meager subsistence for a few weeks by teaching he used to speak of his short residence in halifax as a time of severe privation and anxiety for it was a place then of no great wealth and had little to offer to a penniless adventurer such as he was he made his way to portland in maine before the first winter set in and thence found passage in a schooner bound to boston in one of the early numbers of his paper he described his arrival at that far-famed harbor and his emotions on catching his first view of the city. The paragraph is not one which we should expect from the editor of the Herald, but I have no doubt it expressed his real feelings in 1819. I was alone, young, enthusiastic, uninitiated. In my more youthful days, I had devoured the enchanting life of Benjamin Franklin written by himself, and Boston appeared to me as the residence of a friend an associate an acquaintance i had also drunk in the history of the holy struggle for independence first made on bunker hill dorchester heights were to my youthful imagination almost as holy ground as arthur's seat or salisbury crags beyond was boston her glittering spires rising into the blue vault of heaven like beacons to light a world to liberty In the glow of his first enthusiasm and having nothing else to do, he spent several days in visiting the scenes of historic events with which his reading had made him familiar. But his slender purse grew daily more attenuated, and he soon found himself in a truly desperate situation, a friendless, unprepossessing young man knowing no trade or profession and without an acquaintance in the city. His last penny was spent. A whole day passed without his tasting food. A second day went by and still he fasted. He could find no employment and was too proud to beg. In this terrible strait he was walking upon Boston Common, wondering how it could be that he, so willing to work and with such a capacity for work, should be obliged to pace the streets of a wealthy city, idle and starving shall i get something to eat he said to himself at that moment he saw something glittering upon the ground before him which proved to be a silver coin of the value of twelve and a half cents cheered by this strange coincidence and refreshed by food he went with renewed spirit in search of work he found it almost immediately a countryman of his own of the firm of wells and lilly publishers and booksellers gave him a situation as clerk and proofreader, and thus put him upon the track which led him to his future success. This firm lasted only long enough to give him the means of getting to New York, where he arrived in 1822, almost as poor as when he left Scotland. He tried many occupations, a school, lectures upon political economy, instruction in the Spanish language but drifted at length into the daily press as drudge of all work at wages varying from five to eight dollars a week with occasional chances to increase his revenue a little by the odd jobbery of literature journalism was then an unknown art in the united states and no newspaper had anything at all resembling an editorial core the most important daily newspapers of new york were carried on by the editor aided by one or two ill-paid assistants with a possible correspondent in washington during the session of congress and that proved to be james gordon bennett's opportunity of getting his head a little above water he filled the place one winter of washington correspondent to the new york Enquirer, and while doing so he fell in by chance in the congressional library with a volume of horace walpole's gossipy society letters He was greatly taken with them and he said to himself, why not try a few letters on a similar plan from Washington to be published in New York? He tried the experiment. The letters, which were full of personal anecdotes and gave descriptions of noted individuals, proved very attractive and gave him a most valuable hint as to what readers take an interest in. The letters being anonymous, he remained poor and unknown. He made several attempts to get into business for himself. He courted and served the politicians. He conducted party newspapers for them, without political convictions of his own. But when he had done the work of carrying elections and creating popularity, he did not find the idols he had set up at all disposed to reward the obscure scribe to whom they owed their elevation. But all this while he was learning his trade, and though he lived under demoralizing influences, he never lapsed into bad habits. What he said of himself one day was strictly true, and it was one of the most material causes of his final victory. Social glasses of wine are my aversion, public dinners are my abomination, all species of gourmandizing my utter scorn and contempt. When I am hungry I eat, when thirsty drink wine and viands taken for society or to stimulate conversation tend only to dissipation indolence poverty contempt and death at length early in 1835 having accumulated two or three hundred dollars he conceived the notion of starting a penny paper first he looked about for a partner He proposed a scheme to a struggling ambitious young printer and journalist beginning to be known in nassau street named horace greeley i have heard mr greeley relate the interview bennett came to me he said as i was standing at the case setting type and putting his hand in his pocket pulled out a handful of money there was some gold among it more silver and i think one fifty dollar bill he said he had between two and three hundred dollars and wanted me to go in with him and set up a daily paper the printing to be done in our office and he to be the editor i told him he hadn't money enough he went away and soon after got other printers to do the work and the herald appeared this was about six years before the tribune was started mr greeley was right in saying that his future rival in journalism had not money enough the little herald was lively smart audacious and funny it pleased a great many people and made a considerable stir but the price was too low and the range of journalism then was very narrow it is highly probable that the editor would have been baffled after all but for one of those lucky accidents which sometimes happen to men who are bound to succeed there was a young man then in the city named brandreth who had brought a pill over with him from england and was looking about in new york for some cheap effective way of advertising his pill he visited bennett in his cellar and made an arrangement to pay him a certain sum every week for a certain space in the columns of the herald it was the very thing he wanted a little certainty to help him over that awful day of judgment which comes every week to struggling enterprises saturday night still the true cause of the final success of the paper was the indomitable character of its founder his audacity his persistence his power of continuous labor and the inexhaustible vivacity of his mind after a year of vicissitude and doubt he doubled the price of his paper and from that time his prosperity was uninterrupted he turned everything to account six times he was assaulted by persons whom he had satirized in his newspaper and every time he made it tell upon his circulation on one occasion for example after relating how his head had been cut open by one of his former employers he added the fellow no doubt wanted to let out the never-failing supply of good humor and wit which has created such a reputation for the herald he has not injured the skull my ideas in a few days will flow as freshly as ever and he will find it so to his cost in this humble audacious manner he founded the newspaper which in the course of forty-eight years has grown to be one of national and international importance its founder died in eighteen seventy two aged seventy-seven years in the enjoyment of the largest revenue which had ever resulted from journalism in the united states and leaving to his only son the most valuable newspaper property perhaps in the world that son the present proprietor has greatly improved the herald he possesses his father's remarkable journalistic tact with less objectionable views of the relation of the daily paper to the public his great enterprises have been bold far-reaching almost national in their character mr frederick hudson who was for many years the managing editor of the paper has the following interesting paragraph concerning father and son somewhere about the year eighteen sixty six james gordon bennett senior inducted james gordon bennett jr into the mysteries of journalism one of his first coups was the Prusso austrian War. The cable transmitted the whole of the King of Prussia's important speech after the Battle of Sadova and peace with Austria, costing in tolls 7,000 dollars in gold. He had followed this bold coup with many similar ones, and not a few that surpassed it. Seven thousand dollars seems a good deal of money to pay for a single feature in one number of a daily paper. It was not so much for a paper, single issues of which have yielded half as much as that in clear profit and the paper was born in a cellar End of section thirty one